Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Welcome back, everyone, to Mornings with Carmen. I am Peter Kapsner, filling in for Carmen LaBerge for the day. And we'd love to hear from you this morning here in studio, too. So text us anytime at 877-933-2484. We've had quite a series of guests already commenting pretty provocatively on a number of topics, including Paul the last uh, half of last hour, we yeah. had Dr. Andrew Latham, and I think one of the things that I really took away from that conversation was he was using the words like uh, the guardrails of Christianity, mm-hmm. and that Christianity has the capacity to temper sort of this hyper-individualism that isolates us and fragments us. And it, it reminded me that in the New Testament, when we read it in our English language, and you see like the word you, for example, I so often, unfortunately, if I'm not careful, read you as sort of an individual thing, right. where in the original Greek language, in the New Testament, you is almost always plural. And there was sort of this assumed view that we really were in this thing together, that the individual is not primary over the community of faith. And and those guardrails are important, aren't they? Well, yeah. And especially when you look at the the church in the book of Acts, it was a community. If If they did not hang together, the old line, they'd hang separately, but they hung together and they very much took things as a community. And not that there's not an individual application, but at the same time, we got to remember there's the broader application to the body. For sure. And, and the heart of Christian practice together when they met on Sabbath uh, every Sunday for the first 15, 1600 years really was the communion table. That that was sort of the pinnacle moment. And, and I get it with the Protestant Reformation that uh, the pulpit moved sort of into the center because there needed to be a corrective to some of the theology mm-hmm. that happened and sola scriptura, scriptures alone, all of that. But I don't think, uh, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because really, truly for 1500 years, it was the idea of we're going to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus together. And in that place, we're saying yes, both to Jesus and, and continuing to walk out this faith, but also saying yes to one another in a new sort of way in this moment. And so to try to do our Christian faith individualistically really might set us up for failure. Oh, but this would lead to a whole nother discussion. Actually, I think we're going to get to it in the second part of this hour. We will. When we, we talk to a, a guest who had an article talking about how we should Move closer, uh, move, buy a house close to our church because you're supposed to be part of a community, not a commuter into a, uh, like you do for work. You commute to work. Well, are we supposed to commute to church or are we supposed to be part of the church and part of a larger community? Yeah, it should be a very interesting conversation in the second half of this hour. And up next, another person who understands quite a bit about what it means to be together in our faith journey is Dr. Raleigh Washington. He was a pastor in inner city Chicago for a number of years, building some holistic ministries there at the church, but also for some social services. And Raleigh and I are going to talk about the importance of helping one another and what we see in the school that LeBron James started a year ago, a famous NBA player, if you are not familiar with him, but also what he's just as recently seen that not only do we need to help provide educational opportunities for people in need, but holistically, there needs to be the needs taken care of in general in order to take advantage of that. So stay with us here on Mornings with Carmen. Some great conversations here up next.
It's about nine minutes past the hour here on the 7th of November. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge. And our first guest this hour is Dr. Raleigh Washington, good friend, good friend of the program. Good morning, Raleigh. Morning, Peter. It's a blessing to be with you, my brother. Oh, I always love our conversations, Raleigh, and I uh, really wanted to have you on this morning for a variety of reasons, including uh, some of probably what is your familiarity with what we see with LeBron James and what he's doing in Akron right now. Um, one thing before even getting into the idea of schools and uh, helping provide educational opportunities, I know for you, having been in inner city ministry for as many mm-hmm. years as you were and, and still in pastoral ministry, now, uh, what, as, as an African-American yourself, what did you see as the importance of young African-American men turning back and giving back to the community and helping moving forward? I, I would think that that was critical to the ongoing development of the community. Very critical, uh, Peter. Uh, nothing is more important, really, than having a holistic approach to, to your faith and to life. Uh, it involves school and the whole works. Uh, we uh, we built up within the inner city of Chicago a desire for uh, men to uh, live their faith out uh, within the context of being a part of the community uh, that needed so much um, a holistic care. And men are a key part of that. As you know, I'm was with Promise Keepers for many years. I still carry the title of President Emeritus for Promise Keepers. Uh, but challenging men to live out their faith uh, by uh, being a part of the areas of need and building it up from the inside. That is so critical. That's a holistic approach. And frankly, Peter, that's the only thing that works. Mm. And what did you see as the, in terms of what would really help empower some of these young men to really realize some greater potential? I mean, was it education? Was it church? Was it, was it a combination of a number of factors? Because I'm sure you saw through the course of your ministry the rise of brokenness in families and men leaving their families. And, and what would maybe help stem that tide a little bit? In the inner cities, um, brokenness in the absent father is a huge, huge problem. In most urban inner cities, uh, nine out of 10 families, there is no father. And so the mother uh, is in great need to have to step up to the plate. But men who are part of a church and part of that community, recognize when they recognize this and recognize they need to become the role models, they need to do uh, what is necessary uh, to give the kids uh, not only uh, um, an example of what to do and how to do it, but living it out uh, from a church standpoint, from a life standpoint, from a school standpoint, uh, is just uh, absolutely critical. John Perkins, one of my mentors, uh, made it very clear uh, that uh, 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 the idea of having racial reconciliation, uh, community reconciliation, and an approach between uh, a school and a church is critical to the health and the welfare of kids who are growing up in an inner-city environment. And with uh, that, too, in terms of uh, helping to take care of the needs, I'd be curious your perspective on what LeBron James is finding as he's turning and giving back to his own community where he grew up in Akron, Ohio, and spent a lot of time not necessarily having food and shelter or or a place to live. And he initially started a school that uh, was going to be a really high-quality educational facility for young, impoverished students, and he was also offering a tuition benefit 
than if they graduated from that school to the University of Akron. So the pathway was all set up. But what he found a year or two into the school was that if the kids' basic needs weren't provided for, that they couldn't really take advantage of the educational opportunity in front of them. And I remember when my wife Hallie taught in inner city Minneapolis in a similar kind of community, that the students often coming in simply needed a place to just rest and even sleep for the first hour of the school day. And so I would love just sort of your perspective, kind of take us inside what day-to-day life can be like if you're in a situation where you just simply don't have your needs met, maybe working in a few different jobs, parents being gone. I mean, it's really tricky day-to-day, is it not? It is very, very tricky. And if you have a, a single mom who is working and trying to make ends meet, uh, those kids uh, spend a lot of time at school. Many of the schools have an after-school program uh, to care for those kids until mom can come and pick them up. So the basic uh, lifestyle, holistic needs that a kid needs, and that is having the right diet, resting the right time, doing the right things, um, uh, uh, is so very important. And, of course, a, a key element of that is the church. I don't know because uh, I know LeBron has become aware of the holistic need. I'm hoping, and we can get word to to LeBron uh, to connect with the churches. There are some great inner city African American churches uh, uh, in 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 the city where he is located and, and where the school is located. If 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 the church hooks up with the school and with that program. Uh, the, what the kids need will really come to pass because it's a spiritual dynamic uh, and an element that uh, looks at life from really a, a Bible-based uh, lifestyle of living. Uh, they have to eat right. They have to exercise right. They have to do things that's necessary. And a single mom really doesn't have the time uh, to provide the supervision and the care that's needed. So. Uh, you know, for the urban uh, inner city, you know, you know, it takes a community to really build a kid. That's the holistic approach. In Chicago, I was a part of uh, Circle Urban Ministries. Uh, they had Christian doctors, Christian lawyers, uh, education and evangelism program, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, holistic need. Well, the church was in the center of that. And so we worked together as a holistic approach to uh, reaching the kid, and and it works. Several of uh, the members of the church were school teachers in the local school. And so when you have uh, the community working together, the church, a parachurch organization, uh, like what uh, LeBron James is putting together, working together, all of those elements are absolutely critical to give the holistic supervision and care that the kid needs, especially in the urban inner city where 90% of those families, there is no father in the home. Mm. Talking with Dr. Raleigh Washington this morning and carving out some space between what would be just sort of social justice orientation absent from the gospel or a gospel that doesn't provide for people's needs, finding how these two realms can come together. Raleigh, when we come back in just a minute, I would love to get your insight on how maybe somebody who is in perhaps a a suburb of a city, lives in a wealthier kind of community, lives in uh, maybe a big house or possibly is not African-American, how uh, this isn't just a, a certain people group's problem. This really is all of us and how everybody can come together on that. So get your insights on that next year on Mornings with Carmen.
Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner speaking with Dr. Raleigh Washington this morning as we're reflecting on sort of a holistic ministry approach. And Raleigh, I know one of the things that you and I have talked about over the years and uh, sometimes uh, it is something that is a barrier for people that doesn't have to be there is let's say you don't actually live in the inner city. Uh, you can almost get into a mentality of, well, they have to deal with that. But uh, even if somebody wants to sort of help out, how do you begin to bridge the divides when there's just even the restrictions of a geographic divide where you're not living in the community that you might want to help with? Peter, there's one word that really drives the train that answers what you have just laid out is so simple yet profound and it can easily be missed that one word is relationship uh when there is a relationship between the inner city church and the suburban church between the people who live in the inner city and uh the christians who live in the suburban community when there is a relationship established God's ministry to the poor, the press, and the needy goes over the top. I'm a living example of that, Peter, uh, and you know it well because uh, your mom and dad are very, very instrumental in doing that very same thing. On the west side of Chicago, I pastored a church uh, that was connected with a whole um, parachurch organization, uh, and uh, we couldn't do things unless the suburban church, with the resources and the love and the care, uh, did not uh, um, get involved. And they did get involved. Uh, we would have a, a week-long harvest ministry where it would be evangelistic. They would bring the food and come and um, or get involved, bring their youth group, and the youth group would come, and they would serve and, and make things happen. And out of those relationships, year after year, strong relationships develop, uh, and as a result of those relationships, it allowed really the suburban people who had what was necessary, sharing that with those who were have-nots, uh, and, and uh, the end result was uh, a holistic approach that resulted in, in phenomenal growth, spiritual growth, maturity of uh, poor, pressed, and needy Christians in the urban context. Uh, uh, I had a son that passed away uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, he was 53 years old, had a heart attack. And uh, 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 Peter, your mom came, and uh, in my home was a half a dozen people who were uh, uh, who had become friends with her uh, uh, through that kind of a ministry. And uh, it brought tears to my eyes to hear how they shared for hours of the things that they did, how they worked, and, and the impact that it had, and how the impact was on their children. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, the morning for my son uh, uh, was, was sweetened by uh, uh, the reminiscing of a relationship that now had spanned over nearly 20 years because a suburban church and suburban uh, uh, fathers and mothers came in and ministered in the inner city, provided what was needed, established relationships that became lifelong relationships that literally transformed the community and transformed the lives of the people in the inner city. So the answer, 
simply is genuine relationship. Boy, and those relationships, Raleigh, when they're developed in that way, they don't just uh, end with the existing relationships. When you start talking about how life in God's kingdom is so often seen by the fruit it bears generationally, it's not just for the people experiencing some of that reconciliation in the moment, but it really serves as a model for future generations. We have to have those models to know which direction to walk into the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. And and uh, uh, when it's lived out that way, it's, it's simply living out uh, your faith. Uh, it was not an imposition for uh, the suburban uh, uh, church members uh, to come and share, but not at all. But but that re- giving of that, see, they not only gave of their money and their time and their energy, but they literally gave of their life. And, 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 and that impacted the ministry. As a pastor in the inner city, the impact that I had in transforming lives would never have been anything of the, uh, of the way uh, in terms of the success had it not been for the partner suburban churches who really came in and assisted me by providing what was missing in the urban inner city. And, Raleigh, we have just a couple of minutes left. I assume that uh, if, if these relationships begin, there's always some interesting things to navigate. There's sort of maybe a perceived power differential. There can be wealth differential, all of that. But what you're suggesting is over time, if people stay committed to one another, some of those things that might otherwise stand in the way begin to drop off, and you really can partner together. Well, without question, see, Scripture basically says that, uh, you know, uh, uh, get, I give a plenty of what I have, they give a plenty of what they have. They brought material things, and we shared spiritual things. Uh, uh, relationships grew out of that. Peter, you know, I got to know you. Uh, uh, I I gave you marital counseling. I married you and your you and uh, well, your wife, and I've done that more than a dozen times with uh, suburban families because of relationships that were established. So uh, we gave back. It was, it was really a benefit in both ways. And, and uh, what it was, a couple of months ago uh, when my wife and I came and we were part of uh, uh, a phenomenal 25th uh, uh, marriage anniversary of you and Hallie, uh, to be a part of that, that shows. I mean, this is a relationship that started, you know, more a little more than 25 years ago, but continues until this very day. See, that's what the kingdom of God is all about, and that's what happens. And it starts with a relationship and a holistic ministry where the need is great. Yeah, there's no question about it. And to your point, uh, the idea that uh, we can really learn and grow and develop with one another through our differences and in those places like that. It really does. I don't know of any other place, Raleigh, than in our Christianity and in the kingdom of Jesus where these kind of reconciled relationships can really take place and shine a light in the world. So I appreciate so much of what you're doing. I always love our conversations. And uh, hopefully if you're listening this morning, a sense of hope that you really can extend through some of what are perceived barriers and into a very rich relationship. So Raleigh, thanks for joining us this morning. I always love our conversation. Hey, thank you, Peter. We'll be back here in just a moment for some bottom of the hour news. And in the second half of this hour, we'll continue this conversation about relationships and home and even a really interesting article written about the importance of being close to your church home if you really want to develop those relationships.
But I don't know, Paul. You know, there's a lot of depth and substance on the show this morning and great conversations. And yes. I learned through these different guests that we have some just amazing stuff. And occasionally it's good to come up for a little bit of air in between the guests, a little mm-hmm. bit, take a little hiccup. And of course, the song that you just referenced uh, gives us a little bit of air there because we do see that Disneyland is adding three new scents to It's a Small World ride where there's something new at Disneyland instead of Sense? seeing it. Yes. Smells? Visitors will smell some changes at It's a Small World at Disneyland. It says that three new scents were just added to the classic okay. boat ride. Cinnamon okay. in the South American section. Coconut in the South Seas. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. It is going to be right there. Absolutely. And <laughs> okay. uh, and cherry blossom in the Asian scenes. Uh, two other aromas they join. There's five total now on the ride. But I have to confess, that song sort of takes me back to maybe one of the significant worst moments I've ever had at Disney World. And that was getting stuck on that boat. And I'm sure some listeners that have been there can empathize, uh, empathize with this. In the last scene of It's a Small World, where the song that you're playing underneath all of this right now just came kept on loop and loop and loop and and I don't know what all of Dante's seven different levels were but <laughs> I am I am quite certain that that was one of them in that moment so stuck on a ride at, at Disney World level okay. oh that song resonates in my head in some terrible ways so if you're listening this morning a full apology terrible repentance offered right now for putting this song in your head for the day it's a small world Teens live in a culture where personal restraint seems non-existent. In a borderless world, it's our job to show them the value of boundaries. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Boundaries are like our personal space. They define who we are and who we're not. And when teens haven't learned to respect their parents' boundaries, but they're less likely to know how to set and enforce their own. So if you feel like your teen is crossing the line, don't be afraid to lay down some rules. Make sure he knows that you're a person, not just a parent, and that you have personal needs, too. When you teach your teen the value of respecting boundaries, you'll set them up for a lifetime of healthy relationships with others. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Welcome back to the show. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LaBurge this morning and joined at this time by Amy DiMarcangelo of Sovereign Grace Church of New Jersey. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty well, though. You and I got into a little bit of a dispute here off the air about what constitutes <laughs> cold weather. You said it was cold in New Jersey this morning. So tell, tell us how cold works there. Oh, man, it's like 40 degrees. After you talk to me, I feel really bad I said anything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's all a matter of perspective, is it not? I mean, I think we woke up to 16 degrees here in Minneapolis, but it's one of those things that 16 degrees in in maybe March is going to feel great at that point in time. So it's, Uh you know, it's it's all a matter matter of perspective. Well, thanks for joining us. I know I was very intrigued by an article that you wrote at thegospelcoalition.org. It's called Buying a Home near your church. And Amy, in sort of an era around our country where everything has gone sort of megachurch oriented and satellite streaming and and watching sermons online and and somewhat being disconnected from one another in that way, what kind of prompted you to write this article? What did you begin to see? Um, Well, I actually, one of the editors at the Gospel Coalition had given me a few things to consider writing about. And because this question, the reader who had sent in that question, was something that my husband and I had talked a lot about, um, just as we had prayed about 
actually two different urban church plants. So we had had these conversations already together. And then we continue to have them now, um, just even stationed in the church that we're at, considering different times of moving and reasons to move. Um, so it was just something we had talked a lot about and thought a lot about. And um, that's sort of what prompted it. I was like, all right, I've processed through this, a lot of this. Um, and I'd really, we'd really arrived to basically two main things in thinking through a house of how can I serve best, both serve my church and my community best. Um, and just, you know, what do we actually really need? Because I think culture, we're influenced so much by culture um, with false ideas of what, what it means to need, what type of space we need. Mm. Um, and we really want the spirit and scripture to transform how we think through our needs. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you say that because right now, and I've referenced it a couple of times, my family being overseas, we're living in a very small, I, I wouldn't, it's probably 500 square feet. Uh, there's seven of us in okay. it and would have never guessed wow. that moving from a house here in the States where we have quite a bit more room from that, but, but how satisfied you can be pretty readily. And so to your point, uh, so often we move out in some of these gigantic houses and, and think that that's going to fill all of our needs, but we end up kind of isolated from one another in those places as opposed to that I don't want to overly romanticize how I grew up in a neighborhood where we felt connected and you felt like you knew people yeah. and you weren't traveling so far. But uh, at this point in time, sometimes our friends are 20, 30, 40 miles away, and it's tough to really walk out yeah. life together when you're that disconnected. Yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of uh, moving next to the church then, though, is there some sort of sense of commitment you're almost making to the church and to one another that is a little bit different than sometimes happens today in an era of church shopping? Uh, there, it seems like if you're going to make that kind of geographic move, you're saying yes to something through a little bit more thick and thin in these moments. So kind of talk about the challenges of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that by choosing to live, you know, close and even that being relative, obviously close in an urban setting might mean like within two blocks and close within a suburban setting could be, you know, within 10 minute drive, 20 minute drive that, um, you know, depending on where you live or rural, um, close means different things. But by putting roots down closely, um, you really are making a commitment that you're going to be around to serve the church, that you're going to be reaching into your community to draw people to the church, you know, because we don't want it to just be us building together, but the purpose of the church is also expanding the mission. So us building out into our communities and inviting people in. So you sort of want to choose places where it would make sense, where if you're reaching out to your neighbors, they know where your church is. When you invite them out, you're not asking them to, you know, spend half their day on Sunday driving out and driving back, you know, people who aren't going to be inclined to come to church anyway. You sort of want to make it um, as easy of a transition for them as you can by being, yeah, it's just 10 minutes down the road near this restaurant or whatever. Um, and I think that really helps our mission within our own neighborhoods to be in close proximity. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, if you are making that commitment and these are these sorts of thoughts are influencing where you move and how you think through moving, um, it probably just naturally ties then your heart tighter into the commitment of your local church so that you don't just uproot and leave, you know, um, too easily, uh, or over disputes or things like that. Well, and that proximity piece too, like you said, it isn't just about having good friends in a church and, and being able to easily access the church, but it really is about the other six days of life in terms of getting to know the barista at your local coffee shop or the food server yeah. in your restaurant, or maybe the checkout clerk at the, at the supermarket, you begin to develop relationships through just some of these really simple commonalities that can then ultimately extend themselves further, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And one recent example where this was so cool is there's a restaurant near our church um, where we encourage people when they go out to eat afterwards, you know, ask your server, how can I pray for you? Um, and so a group of, of, I think it was the worship team went out to lunch there and they'd all ask the server, how can I pray for you? And the guy said, this is like the third group from your church who's offered to pray for me this week. Um, (laughs) because we're all sort of doing it. So that sort of builds this sort of, uh, light in the community. If people start realizing when you're, when you're going to restaurants in that area, like, wow, a lot of our customers offer to pray for us, like before they pray for their meal, um, and they start to see themes because the same people are going and because, um, you know, as they strike up conversation, they say, yeah, we're, you know, we, we go to the church right down the road um, where it could really build just a draw for these people who might never even think about going to church. But here they're having five different strangers pray for them. God might spark something in their heart. No, it seems like relatively it could be a radical step for some people, Amy, to even consider this idea, because what would you say to somebody who might levy the objection that would say, hey, I'm 47 years old, I already have some uh, roots in this suburban community or whatever it looks like with my with my kids, and I don't want to move into more of a proximity kind of environment because of just how disruptive that might be. Do you have a sort of a suggestion for that potential objection of somebody saying, I don't want to move at this stage of life? Because I think some people might say, well, this is great if you're in your 20s and early 30s and very mobile, but this isn't for me. Mm. Um, I would get it uh, in that I understand I'm someone who doesn't really like change, so I get <laughs> it being hard. Um, I think maybe something to encourage someone in that type of setting, maybe if they do, you know, even if they're grandparents who live near, near their kids, um, they would still have a commitment to see their grandkids and to see, so it might be easier to make that hike of a drive to see them, but um, but by moving closer to the church, that might help them be more inclined to serve in ways they wouldn't otherwise. Um, uh, and having faith for, you know, if God, if God's called you to a certain church, um, just having faith that he can sort of help you through those challenges of, you know, what would be involved with moving later in life and um, what is involved with uprooting. Like my, my brother planted a church in Philadelphia and there were a lot of families who had been used to the suburbs, and they uprooted their lives to go live within a couple blocks of the church. Um, but they're seeing the sacrifice. They're really seeing the payoff of that in the way that they've been able to sow them together into their communities. So they're still involved with their families back home in the suburbs, but they've really built a unique church community um, at, within their neighborhoods and where they know, they all know of each other, their, their neighbor's needs, and they're able to um, pray together and reach out together and they meet up together at the park, but they're reaching the same neighbors. Um, so I think sometimes just having space for the future fruit of those sacrifices really helps, um, you know, because God doesn't just cause to make sacrifices for the sake of sacrifice, right. but that it's for his kingdom, it's for something better, and it's something we can look forward to and be excited about. Um and that's something I even try to remind myself sometimes with, we sort of have, now it's all relatively speaking, relatively speaking, we have a little bit of a smaller house, but when I'm excited about the mission, I don't view it as a sacrifice. Like it's like my joy to be here. So I think for someone uprooting, if they're only thinking about what they're losing, then it, you don't really see much reason to, to uproot. Like why do all this if I'm going to lose all of this? Um, but if you're looking forward to the fruit of how 
how might God use this? How might God use me if I'm in this neighborhood and reaching these neighbors and this close to my church and this close to other people in my church community? Um, what fruit might come of that? And then when you look forward to that with anticipation, it really um, lessens the sense of sacrifice. Mm. Um, so one woman uh, who went on this church plant uh, with my brother into Philadelphia she said to me, I remember before leaving, because they were leaving from our church, um, she said, you know, I always dreamed of having a wraparound porch and a big yard, and now I'm moving to the city where I have no yard. Um, and what I'm just trying to remember is, you know what? In heaven, God will have my dream house for me. <laughs> and I just, like, loved that, where she was like, it's just not yet. Like, that's always what my desire has been, but you know what? I'm going to the to the city. Um, and she just had joy for the mission of the city and that that really uh helped the sacrifice she felt feel worth it and what i love about that story too amy is just the idea that uh, so often we try to squeeze a sense of peace and wholeness out of this world that uh, is not prepared to give us the peace and wholeness that we need mm-hmm. and so in that context to ask some different questions of life can be helpful we'll take a short break when we come back i know one of the things that can happen when we live in proximity with one another is we end up with some pretty unlikely friendships at the end of the day and i would love to get your perspective on that next because you released an article on that subject as well so more to come here on mornings with carmen i'm peter kapsner hosting for the day Nine minutes before the top of the hour. I'm Peter Kapsner, and we're chatting with Amy DiMarcangelo of Sovereign Grace Church in New Jersey about some different dimensions of developing friendships, both inside and outside the church, as we live in proximity with one another. And Amy, you also released another article that talked about sort of the radical friendships that we can end up developing when we do actually just simply rub shoulders with one another in close proximity. And I love what you had to say in this article. It says, if we allow the gospel to radically infiltrate our friendships, our love for one another will amplify our witness to the world. And it reminds me of those beautiful passages in 1 John that talk about, beloved, let us love one another for it comes from God. And if you love, you've been born of God. But if you don't have this kind of love, you kind of can't tell me that you know a whole, whole lot about who God is. And so there really is this manifestation of the kingdom that is central in our friendships, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how do you develop that with people who are different than you? I mean, are there some first steps? Because, boy, there really can be some unique witnesses where we tend to run in herds and with people like us. But when it starts crossing yeah. across different social lines, then we really see a witness to the world. How do we do that? Yeah, um, I think sometimes uh, my mom's actually a really good example to me in this. Uh, sort of even just owning up front what the difference is. She'll introduce herself to someone at church and be like, hey, I wanted to meet you because I can just tell we're really different. You know, maybe they're a lot younger than her, a lot older than her, or a different ethnicity. Um, and she, she just kind of goes and, and uh, doesn't try to, like, mask the differences. It's more like, I, I've never met you, and we seem really different, and I'd like to learn from you and get to know you. Um, so I think sometimes by even uh, just sort of owning the awkward helps um, helps get past it um, so that it doesn't feel like this, like, fake thing at all that you're putting on. Um, and then I think also just, again, this kind of goes back to the looking forward to the future fruit of thinking this might go out of my comfort zone to reach out to this person who looks so different than me or thinks so different than me or is across a different political line than me. Um, but what might God do if I do that? Um, and what does this show, you know, if we're all running in our, 
I, you know, I often think if I'm only friends with people who it makes sense for me to be friends with, that's not really a witness because the world can look at that and be like, well, of course they're friends. They've got all the same interests. They're about the same age. Their families are living similar lifestyles. But when you're friends with someone very different than you, it gives an opportunity for the world to be like, what draws them together? Because naturally they would clash. Naturally they're on different end of the, ends of the spectrum on politics or finances or um, race. And, and it makes people wonder and curious, like, what is it that unites them? Um, so I think it really having a vision for the fruit of the mission and just what a picture the church can be of love when we're crossing these types of lines. And I think, uh, Amy, one of the key principles of any kind of growth, whether it be intellectual growth or emotional growth or spiritual growth, is the idea of disruption, meaning that my, my mm-hmm. usual comfortable way of life or way of thinking is being disrupted. And, and in that disruption, then there's space to, to grow and expand in some new kinds of ways. I'd be curious if you have any sort of stories along those lines where maybe you were a bit disruptive in a, in a relationship that you were with that really caused some growth in that. Yeah. Um, so I have... Uh, a friend, um, black woman who we, in some ways we've had really similar, uh, experiences in life. And there were some things that were, were different, but just in hearing how she's encountered racism, um, where I think I would have sort of not thought it was too much of an issue in our area. Um, and on my end, it felt like, well, I feel like our area is a little bit diverse and I feel like things aren't, you know, we're, um, I just wouldn't have expected to hear some of the things that I heard from her as far as the challenges, just both in our local area, and then even just the challenges of being in a white majority church. Um, And so it was helpful to hear from her just why, even if, even if like bad things aren't happening, just why certain things are hard. And it really, I think, increased my compassion and increased my awareness of, okay, what can I take ownership of? Um, how can I make this place a more welcoming place for minorities here, knowing that I'm part of the white majority? How can I make this more welcoming and and not just welcoming, but really a place of belonging too, um, so people don't just feel like there's a friendly face on a Sunday morning, but that you are taking steps of, hey, you are equally a part of this body of Christ, um, and I want to learn from you and the unique gifts and the unique perspectives that you are bringing to the table. Um, because you are an irreplaceable part of our local body. Mm, Amy, I love it. It's just a great insight. If you're listening this morning, the articles are on the Gospel Coalition, and it is the unique witness of unlikely friendships as well as buying a home near your church. They're short reads, but very important reads. Highly recommend them. Amy, thanks for joining us here this morning. Thanks for having me. Take a short break here and wrap up our show for the 7th of November on Mornings with Carmen. Well, Paul, if there's a theme of the day, it was friendship, relationship, mm-hmm. the idea of crossing these boundaries. Boy, uh, it really ministered to me this morning just to hear so many different dimensions of this. But the, the central theme that this you that we talk about is the you of the community of Jesus that mm-hmm. we're a part of. Exactly. We are part of something bigger, not just being part of 
a state, being part of a country. We're part of a kingdom. We really are. And so a community. We'll wrap up our show here today with uh, the same way we started from a passage in Hebrews 12 that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and together let us run with perseverance the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As you're on your way to work, if you're already there, if you're with your kids this morning, grandkids, wherever you are, we are part of this kingdom together. We'll get up and do it again tomorrow morning, uh, Mornings with Carmen, where we'll fix our eyes on our king yet uh, again. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.